0: Since the beginning, members of the NC Advocates for Justice have been raising their voices, speaking out on behalf of those who go unheard, joining their voices to oppose injustice and support fair treatment for everyone under the law. With this podcast, Voices of NCAJ, we'll listen to those members, lawyers and legal professionals who founded the organization, whose dedication and energy kept it going and guided it through growth, change and challenges. Each conversation will inspire us to meet the future with a unified voice that channels the strengths and accomplishments of our organization. Welcome to Voices of NCAJ.
1: This episode features one of our NCAJ Legends interviews recorded during convention 2022. As part of our 60th anniversary celebration, each Legends episode allows a longtime member to tell their story and the story of NCAJ. Before we kick that off today, I'd like to remind you that our podcast is edited and engineered by our friends at Law Pods, a professional audio production company focused on helping lawyers make great sounding podcasts. They sweat all the details so you concentrate on the content. If you're thinking about podcasting, check them out at lawpods.com. They've made podcasting a breeze for us. As you know, I'm Isaac Thorpe, and I am truly honored to have been selected to interview you. You honor easily. Well, (laughs) NCAJ has started this storytelling with legends, and they have selected people who have, over the 60 years, just done a wonderful job supporting NCAJ, and you are one of our legends. Well, I appreciate it. And so yeah, I asked, what is this going to be about? I said, just tell stories. So my friend, I said, that wouldn't be a heavy lift with Wade. <laughs> but tell us, if you would, a little bit about how you got involved with NCAJ and why.
2: Well, I had done about everything I could do on a local basis in Fayetteville. I had a leadership role in my church. I was chairman of the board of a children's school. I was president of the Kiwanis Club. And I just decided that I really needed to put a whole lot of effort in the professional side of me. And I loved what we called the academy because of folks like your dad. Remember watching your father try a case in Fayetteville? And he drove me crazy because he kept eating ice (laughs) (laughs) during his argument. And he he got a $1.75 million verdict, which at the time was the record. Well, years later, I got a $3.5 million verdict, and he called me and said, Wade, you didn't have to double me. (laughs) (laughs) The, The reason I loved the Academy was primarily CLE. And CLE is a funny thing. You... I also got on airplanes and flew around the country listening to the attorneys that were supposed to be the heat. And some were and some weren't. And the same was true of the academy. The guys who really were the pioneers that, that really started the academy were Bill Thorpe and Alan Bailey and Charlie Blanchard and Gene Phillips. In fact, I was lucky enough to try a case with a great lawyer named Bill Coulson from Miami. And Bill had been the youngest president ever of AAJ now. He and Gene Phillips, they were going around the country starting academies in all the states. And that their purpose was, and I really truly believe it was their primary goal, was to improve the advocacy for people without means. And back then, minimum limits uh, were like $10,000, $15,000, things we can't even comprehend today, although we still have low limits, required limits. But I learned so much, and I learned so much from people like Bill Thorpe and Alan Bailey. One want the funnier stories about Alan. He was speaking to a group of the Academy of Trial Lawyers. And he said, you know, I've been doing this a long time, and I've never had a jury give me too much money. And the first time I, they do, I'm going to give some
1: back. <laughs> so CLE was my driving force. Well, I have to tell you that um, when I came back and started practicing with my father, he told me, he said, yeah, there's this lawyer, Wade Bird. now. He popped a big one, he three and a half million dollars. And we were going to a CLE and you were presenting on that case. Okay. So I was watching, and I'm like, all right, there's that, there's the guy now, he's the guy. <laughs> and so I came over and introduced myself and I didn't know, you know, you hear somebody getting millions of dollars, they might be a little too cool for you, but you were just as friendly and as welcoming and... Oh. I hope so. You were, and I really appreciated just how down-to-earth you were, and that's what seems to really matter when you're just straight. Well, Um, I think it matters in the courtroom. It really does.
2: One of the things I've always said to myself and to others is, don't try to be cute in front of that jury. Just be yourself. Be honest. Don't let a single one of those jurors think, Well, now, he's just trying to pull something over on us, because you're going to lose,
1: in my opinion, if you do that kind of thing. Tell us a, a story about perhaps one of your low points in the law and one of your high points in the law, because we all go through them.
2: I remember one year that, in one case, Mary Ann Talley and Adam Stein asked me to take a death penalty case, and I knew it must be horrible for them to come to Fayetteville to try to get me to do that, and I agreed to do it. I had tried first-degree murder cases before, death penalty cases, and had never lost, and I lost that one. Uh, if I told you the facts, you would understand. But And then I lost two civil cases, two malpractice cases. And, of course, I had a bunch of money in those cases. In fact, I just tried a case that I've got, $1.6 million in cost in that case. I will say I recovered $5 million, so that'll help some on those costs. But uh, another Bill Thorpe story is I went to Greensboro and got a verdict on a case. It was kind of a national case because it held that a hospital interfering with a doctor's judgment, about when to admit or discharge a patient. They shoved this kid out of a psychiatric hospital because his insurance ran out, and he went home and committed suicide. So it got a lot of national attention, but (coughs) your dad was approached by Herb Thorpe, his brother from Fayetteville, and somebody else, about taking that case. (laughs) And I was at a party, and a fella came up to me. His name was Bob Ray, and he said, "Well, you sure have put my law partner in a grand funk." And I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "We turned down a case that you just got a seven million dollar verdict." In. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I've had some lows, and I mean, the the case I just told you about that I just retried. I mean, that thing about put me in the poorhouse. $1.5 million after tax Mm. out of your pocket. But the case has been pending for 19 years. In fact, I remember saying to the jury, this was only four weeks ago. I said, you know, I've been working on this case for 20 years, and I hope we fought the good fight. And I hope you folks will fight for my client. And they did. But there were 19 years of prejudgment interest, so the verdict was $2 million, but the judgment was $5 million, which happened to be the coverage.
1: That's wonderful. Uh,
2: The other thing about the academy, and I found this out more as I was on the executive committee and moved up and was president, but was advocacy, they call it now. We think of it as lobbying. And... I spent a lot of time in Raleigh with my friends, Wade Smith, John Edwards, a former director, Dick Taylor, trying to get the law laws passed, prevent bad laws. And the first time I went, I remember Wade Smith and Johnny and I were walking back up Fayetteville Street Mall and Wade Smith said, well, wait, what would you think about being down here talking to the legislators? And I said, I want to go home and take a bath. <laughs> because you talk to legislators, and they'd ask you questions. And the sixth or seventh question was, well, what does the bill say? They wanted to know who's supporting it, who's against it, who's lobbying for it. You know, right. <laughs> it was just— Come on, guys, don't you want to know the merits of this? Right. But sometimes they don't. And then Wade said, first time I had ever heard this phrase was, he said, Wade, lawyers need no more to see how the law is made than sausage lovers need to see how sausage is made. There was a lot of truth to that. Right. So that was important. Very, very, very important because we were the only consumer-type organization that had any power in the General Assembly. Because if you stacked up corporate interest and hospital interest and insurance company interest beside us, they were way up here and we were down here, and we'd have been way down here. But for the North Carolina Academy of Trial Lawyers, now NCAJ, so that was a big deal, and it was a big deal to When we entered a legislator's office, they were very respectful because we had power, and only reason we did is because we contributed uh, right. so much. And it was it was painful because they always called on the same people. I, I guess my proudest achievement when I became president. I had run some capital campaigns before. And as vice president, you're in charge of finance. And what I saw was that so much of our budget was being spent making payments on our building. And so I said, Well, I think I'm going to go out and try to raise money and burn the mortgage. And I'm happy to say that Alan Bailey and Howard Twiggs and Wade Byrd at an annual meeting, burnt the mortgage. And, you know, it was hard work raising that money. By the way, all three of those lawyers were Wake Forest lawyers, I need to point out.
1: What, What advice would you give to lawyers who are either they're starting out or they've hit a rough spot or they can't get along with the lawyers on the other side? What served you, that you think younger lawyers need to know? Your integrity is really important. And I think I have the
2: respect of the defense bar. I really do. And I think I I hope this doesn't sound egotistical, but if I tell a judge something, I know a lot of judges. after. Fifty plus years of doing this, I've tried cases in more than half the counties in North Carolina, and I, I think when I say something to a judge, he feels like he can put it in the bank. So I I think I remember having an argument one time with a very good lawyer named Joe McLeod from Fayetteville. Uh, he was one of the pioneers in medical malpractice litigation, as was your dad. Bill Thorne. And Joe was just scorched earth. And I said, Joe, I just don't understand. I mean, what we do is adversarial enough. I think we need to try to get along with our co-counsel, even when they don't deserve it. And I don't mean that you ought not stand up against somebody who's dishonest or unreasonable. But I think that's important. You're going to need a favor from that other lawyer at some point, so it's a reciprocating thing. But to have the to have the respect of insurance adjusters as well as defense lawyers is an important thing, and I think you get that. You get it by winning, let's face it, and you get it by being able to figure out a way to generate a high verdict for that client as you can. Young lawyers, I think the main thing they need to know is just to be themselves. They're they're not going to be Bill Thorpe or Jerry Spence. They just need to be themselves because there's magic in all of us. And if you just let your good angels guide you, you can't pick your cases. We're better at picking our cases than defense is. They take whatever comes in the door. But if you took a case and you believe in it, you got to believe in it. you got to believe in what you say. But you can convey that. And that's powerful. It's really powerful. As I talked about your integrity with the jury, but being able to— I remember a lawyer did this, and I think it was Jerry Spence, and it was a a day with Jerry Spence, and so he talked about a lot of things. But one of the things he said was, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of about being scared. He said he told the jury that one time, and that that just gave me the freedom because I was always like that. Still am. I don't know that some people would believe that, but sometimes I feel just like I did. Had to stand up in the fifth grade and read that paper, and paper was probably shaking, and I was nervous. And, And I I was starting a death penalty case, and I said to the jury, "I need you to know I'm scared. I've got to try to save this man's life, and that's a burden. And his family's here, he's here, he he's done some things that were wrong, but I've got to try to save him, and that's a heavy burden. I don't know if I've answered your question. Oh, it's
1: beautiful. Uh, That's you know." That's beautiful. Well, you know, sometimes we say to the jury now, I've asked you a bunch of questions, but I may not have asked the question you wanted me to ask. (laughs) Is there anything else that you want, since this is going to be recorded and people 60 years from now are going to be going, I need to listen to Wade Bird. (laughs) Well. Anything else that you want to say or need to say or? Well, (laughs) We are really lucky
2: to have chosen or to stumble into this profession. And when I say this profession, I mean being a trial lawyer. As we know, there are a whole lot of folks that advertise it, don't know where the courthouse is and have never tried a case. But it's a noble profession and it's a, Noble thing to have a client beside you that really has no power. But if you know you can be good, then you can stand up against anybody. It doesn't matter who they are. You walk into that courtroom and put a jury in the box, and there are two tables, and somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And it doesn't matter how much money or power is over there. That's the thing to be proud of. We work hard. We work very hard. You gotta try to be at least as prepared or more prepared. The biggest compliment I think I've ever had was, I had tried a case in Charlotte and and gotten a really good verdict. And Alan Bailey was interviewed by the Charlotte Observer. And they said, what is it about this Wade bird And though I didn't deserve the accolades, Alan Bailey, who I really respected, looked up to, admired, said, well, you'll never find anybody any more prepared. It meant a lot to me for Alan Bailey to say that. I don't know. I just, I think it's believing in your client, understanding that you've taken this case on, you have a responsibility to that client. And though there are ups and downs and though there are cases, as you know, that you can have a whole lot of money in, you got to be able to, the jury's out, the defense attorney's coming to you and he's offering you money and you really don't want to lose. them, I and you got so much tied up in it. And one of the things that I admire most about lawyers are the lawyers, they'll wait for that knock, knock, knock on the jury door and just wait for the verdict. And sometimes it takes guts, but you got to have the guts. And they've got to know. They've got to know the other side. And I learned that from people like Bill Thorpe and Alan Bailey. All of us can tell stories about the highs and lows. And Sometimes it's truly like a roller coaster. I've said to, some folks sound like Jim McKay the famous Olympic broadcaster it's the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat and it's truly like that
1: you have reaffirmed for me so many things that I grew up hearing and seeing with my own father and other great trial lawyers and I really appreciate it
2: well I would be remiss in not saying that I owe a lot of my success when there has been success on the North Carolina Advocates for Justice, uh, who we old folks still call the Academy, because making the decision to be more involved, I got a lot more out of it than it got out of me, but it was this organization is so precious. I think not, a, not enough people understand how valuable it is. However, if you look at the number of people who are attending this convention in Charlotte, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it's wonderful to be able to gather again. Yeah, it is, yeah.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Voices of NCAJ. For more information on the North Carolina Advocates for Justice and how to join or support NCAJ, please visit our website at www.ncaj.com.